couple of announcements about this evening's service. I am uh, preaching in a revival meeting this week in Avery County, and uh, so it's within driving distance for sure for everybody. I believe it's the Roaring Creek Missionary Baptist Church, I believe that's right, on Roaring Creek in Avery County. And service time be at 7 o'clock each night. Actually, the service time for tonight is at 6. I'm going to be preaching up there. But I don't want you up there tonight. I want you here. Brother Zach Bailey's going to be here preaching for us tonight. And some of y'all remember uh, Brother Zach preached for us a few, maybe about a year ago. And uh, he does fantastic. So I want you to be sure and be here tonight and hear Brother Zach, okay? And so that's tonight at 5 here at the church. Then 7 o'clock each night this week. Monday and Tuesday night, I'll be up there in Avery County. Wednesday night, I'm going to be out in Waynesville preaching in a youth rally. Uh, and uh, North Hazelwood Baptist Church, I think is the name of that. Now, what we're going to do Wednesday night, now right here's where I need you to tune in. Wednesday night will not be a normal service here. It's going to be a work, a work evening, okay? Yesterday, I went up to the fellowship hall to get that red, white, and blue thing. And the basement of that fellowship hall is a, is a, is, needs some help. It just needs some help. So Wednesday night, if y'all could, if you don't care to those of you that can, we'll get that basement all cleaned up in the fellowship hall Wednesday night, plus these uh, fall scenes. These fall scenes in front of the building have failed. Amen. Fall has come and they've failed. It's the, 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 the pumpkins are rotten and whatnot, so when you get those cleaned up. So we'll have some things to do Wednesday night, okay? So whenever you can get here. Two big shelves that Susan needs put together. So there's plenty to do here, up on the hill, out in the parking lot. So regardless of where you want to work, we've got some place for you, okay? So you'll be here Wednesday night, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get some of that stuff done. Let's open our Bibles to the 126th Psalm. Um, if you'll recall, we had a missionary a few Sunday nights ago, maybe last Sunday night, that preached from some of these verses. And, uh, boy, they got on my heart. It's a psalm of degree, and uh, I just want to read these first three verses, and it's going to be kind of a springboard that we're going to preach a few messages from, and I'll explain that to you. Look what the Bible said in verse number one. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. That's not what they said. That's what the heathen said. The blessings of God became so evident in the children of Israel that even the heathen looked at them and said, boy, God is good. Then look what the Bible said. The Bible said there in verse number three, the Lord hath done great things for us. Whereof we're glad. Lord, in Jesus' name, that you'd touch and help tonight and this morning in the service. I pray, God, that you'd do a work, Lord, in our midst. God, as we try and share what you've laid on our heart, I pray, God, that you'd give us some attentive ears. Lord, that you'd change lives in this place today. Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Of course, this was one of the psalms of degree. They would sing these psalms as they ascended the steps of the temple. 
This particular psalm is a psalm of thanksgiving and they're reminding themselves of how that God has done great things for them. Can I just stop and say before we even get into the message this morning, God has done great things in your life too. God, hey, can I just say it to this, put to this way, God has been good in our lives. And if I didn't say anything else this morning, that would be worth coming to church over just to say that God is great and greatly to be praised. He's been great to me. He's been great in our lives. I want to think about that little word great. And I don't know how many of these I'll preach, but I'll preach uh, over the next few weeks anyway on some great things. Uh, that's a little word. That, that word great is a, a small word, but can I say there are some great things in your Bible. And uh, so I, just, I would look at that little word great and concentrate on some great things. And uh, some of them are great things. We might talk about some, we see some great sins in the Bible. Might even talk about some great sins. So they may not all be good things, but I'm glad for some great things. And there's great things in the Bible. This morning, I want you to turn with me, if you will, over to the book of Matthew, chapter number 16 and verse number 18. And I want to read one verse of Scripture there, and then we're going to mostly end up in Acts chapter number 4. But look what the Bible said in this, of course, familiar verses of Scripture. Verse 18, the Bible says, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm going to preach a little while if the Lord will help us for a few moments, and I believe He will. I want to preach this morning on a great church, a great church. Can I just say to you this morning that I'm glad to be a part of the church? And I tell you, we live in an age where the church is made fun of and talked down on. But I'm glad to report to you this morning, I'm glad to be accounted with that blood-washed crew. There's nothing like going to church. And I'm telling you, I could take you this morning to Michaelville Elementary and I could show you a, a good study in, in human psychology. or I, I could show you the difference between church kids and non-church kids. And I was, I was noticing it this week. Uh, all along the bulletin boards, uh, they've got turkeys up all in Michaelville Elementary, they got turkeys up and on them feathers they have written what they're thankful for. Well, there's one that particular classroom. You ask any teacher at Michaelville of a bunch of, it's just not so great. In other words, it's a problem class. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's the, it's the class when they walk in the lunchroom, the lunch lady goes, oh no. When they go to art, the art uh, teacher goes, oh no. I know that because I live with her. When they, when they go to the library, uh, the librarian goes, oh no. Well, it's situated right next 
to a class that is absolutely diametrically opposite. I mean, it's full of a bunch of little kids everybody loves to see coming. Uh, they're always well-behaved. They're always doing what they're supposed to be doing in line. Everybody loves those little kids in that class. Uh, and I got to wondering one day, I thought, what's the difference in them two little classes? Uh, there's not a difference in age, uh, there's a, that, but there's a, a stark difference uh, uh, between those two. Uh, well, I stood down there and I started looking at their turkeys. Uh, and in that class where all the kids are so well behaved that I counted nine or ten different turkeys that said they were thankful for Jesus, they were thankful for God, they were thankful for church, and in that class where there's so many problem kids, not a single turkey said God, not a single turkey said church, they were thankful for video games, they were thankful for grandparents, but nothing was said about God and nothing was said about church, and God spoke to my heart. And he said, you know what the difference between these two classrooms are? One classroom's full of kids that parents care enough to take them out of the house of God where the Bible's preached and raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And that other classroom's parents don't care enough. Hey, you see what I'm telling you? It makes a difference in the lives of boys and girls when you take them to church. I say thank God for the church. I'm glad to be at church this morning. Let nobody have to make me come down here. I stirred up about being here. You glad to be at church? Hallelujah, I am too. So let's think just a minute about a great church. Jesus said a couple of things I'll point out in this verse. He said, I will build my church. And so we learn from this verse that the church is the construction of Christ. Then we see that it was something that was going to happen in the future tense. The Bible said that I will build my church. There was coming a day when the church was going to be built. Jesus bled and died. He was resurrected on the third appointed morning. 50 days later on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost of God came blowing through the upper room and empowered the church of the living God. And it's been going strong ever since. I say thank God for the church. Thank God for the church. Since the day of Pentecost, God has been baptizing believers into the Holy Spirit and saving them and putting them in the body of Christ which is the church. I believe there's a lot of the misconceptions and confusions uh, uh, when it comes to being baptized. All believers are baptized into the Holy Spirit. That is, they're placed into the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 and 5, and 4 and 4 says, There's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. Verse 5 says, One Lord, one faith, one baptism. I, now, when that look at that word baptism. I know some of you studied about John baptizing today in Sunday school. I, 
That's the word baptismo. That means to dip. In other words, it's to put under and to bring back out. That's what we do down there at the river. It has nothing to do with being saved. It's an outward showing of what has happened inside of our heart. But the word baptize here that Paul uses mostly in his writings is a different word. It means to immerse, but there's no action of bringing one back out. What are you saying, preacher? Well, when I got dipped into the Spirit of God, I got baptized into the body of Christ. I got baptized into the Holy Ghost the day I got saved. I got put in Him, and I ain't never come back out. Amen. I'm glad, thank God, for the baptism of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. So a lot of people get that confused, and that's the reason you, you get doctrines that you got to be baptized to be saved because people get that confused about what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about water. He's not talking about being dunked in the water. He's talking about being baptized in the Spirit. And the, hey, the moment I put my faith in Christ, I got immersed into the Spirit of God. And that word, that word is to immerse, but never to bring back out. I got buried with him, the scripture said. I got placed into him. And what happened when I got baptized into Christ is I got a place, thank God, in the local New Testament. Hey, I'm about to run and shout. I got a place in the church today. I said I got placed in the body of Christ, in the bride of Christ. I got put in a great church. I said, thank God, I'm glad I got baptized baptized into a body of believers. Now, I want us to go to Acts chapter number 4. The Bible talks a lot about the early church. And there's one word that it keeps using over and over again. And that is the word great. Look what the Bible said there in Acts chapter number 4. And let's start our reading about verse number 30. And the Bible said, uh, verse 31, And when they prayed... The place was shaken where they were assembled together and they're filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them the alt of the things which had possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Look at verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. I want us to take uh, Acts 4 and a few other places, and I just want to tell you how great the church is. Let me ask you something. What does it take to have a great church? If I was to pass around the paper this morning, and I said, list everything that a great church needs, there ain't no telling what all you'd say. Some of you say it needs great singers. Others say it needs great deacons. Some people say it needs a great Sunday school program. It needs a great visitation program. It needs a great youth program. I hear that a lot. Boy, it needs a great youth program. Uh, you got you to reach the youth. Uh, it needs this, it needs that to be a great church. And I support to you this morning that really a, a church only needs two things to be great. Number one, the gospel needs to be preached. You cannot have a great, you cannot have a great church without great preaching. And I don't mean that the preaching is good. I just simply mean that the Bible is preached. 
the church, if, the, if, you, if, the, if we have a church that the Bible's preached in, that's prerequisite number one. Prerequisite number two is it needs to glorify God. If the church does those two basic things, if it preaches the Bible and glorifies God, then thank God it's a great church. Amen. Hey, I said it's a great church. I don't care if it's got five people or 500 people. I don't care if it's got buses and missions programs or if it's just barely getting by. My friend, if it preaches the gospel and if it honors God and glorifies God, it's a great church. It's a great church. Hey, a great church. Now I want to I want to think about a few of these. Let's look at these words, great. And I want to talk to you just a little bit this morning about a great church. Number, let me just say this. Let me say this. I don't want to miss this. It's great because it's the building of Christ. Ephesians 5 tells us of a great mystery that Christ was going to build a church. Nobody understood it through all the Old Testament, through the Gospels, while Jesus was alive and on the earth. Nobody understood what you and I are now part of, and we're a part of the building of Christ. Let me say this to you this morning. This is not my church, and I hate to break it to you. It's not your church. This is His church. He's building it, and it's all about Him. Let me say this to you. It was the work, It was His work that produced the church. It's His work that's preserving the church, and one of these days, thank God, it's his work that's going to present the church holy and without blemish, without spot or any such thing. I'm glad it's all about him. We are his building in Christ. Watch this, not on the building of Christ, but thank God it's the bride of Christ. Hey, you and I are part of the bride. I, I don't know how many of you study those verses that we were in this morning uh, where it's talking about the bride and the bridegroom. Uh, uh, where John said, uh, uh, where John the Baptist said, uh, uh, the bride don't belong to the uh, friend, it belongs to the bridegroom. Uh, now John had in mind uh, Israel. He thought Israel was going to be the bride. Uh, but God had other things in mind. Uh, you see, he was going to graft in a bunch of old Gentile dogs. That's you and me. Uh, he was going to graft us in. Uh, hey, man, and the bride was going to be made up of every nation red, yellow, black and white every nation was going to be a part of the bride of Christ I'm glad this morning to be a part of the bride of Christ the body of Christ we've been put into the bride of Christ we've been made a part this is, I'm just preaching about the church now we've been made a part of the body of Christ the body of Christ as a member of his body as a member of his body we belong to him we're washed in his blood clothed in his righteousness indwelt by his spirit kept by his power amen I'd say we're in thank God uh, good liberty here this morning I better get where I'm going we'll be here all day number one the church is great because of the great force that it contains let's go back to Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 33 look what it said there and with great power gave the apostles witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and I say the church is great because of the great force that it contains can I say that one of the things that characterized the early church was the great power that it contained. Now I want to talk a little bit about power. Can I say we need a powerful church? That power is available. It's available. You say, well, things are different. It's 2023, getting ready to be 2024. But I'm going to tell you God's just as powerful today as he was in, in the book of Acts. Amen. And there is a force that's available. Now how did, 
How did they have this force? Let me show it to you. Number one, they had this power because it was a result of a great partnership. Look what the Bible said there in Acts 4.13, uh, just prior to the verses we just read. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned ignorant men, they marveled, watch this now, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Let me tell you where real power comes from in the church. It comes when we don't look as ourselves as some kind of an island, but rather we partner with the Lord Jesus in what we're trying to do. My friend, real power comes when His power flows through us and God uses us. That's where real power comes from. If the church is going to change anything, County, we're gonna have to have the power of God. Gotta have his power. Peter and John in Acts 3, they're going up to the, the, the going up to the temple to pray. And there's a man that's laying there that's laying. And he gets healed. And there in those verses, here's what Peter says. He said, Ye men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us as though through our own power or holiness uh, we had made this man to walk? Uh, you know what he said? Uh, he said, this man ain't walking because I'm Peter uh, and because he's John. Uh, this man ain't walking because we're great apostles. Uh, this man ain't walking because we're really something. Uh, uh, but this man is walking today uh, because the blood, uh, amen, and because the power of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, that flows through us. Uh, can I say to you this morning, church. We're nothing but a conduit of power. Oh yes. Inside them walls his power different wires and powers and some of them are running through conduit. I know underneath this floor there's a big old conduit that runs back there into the sound room and while I'm preaching this morning it carries that it carries that sound through them wires and back there into the soundboard. That conduit's just a means by which to get the power in. Amen. That's all the church is. Can I help you with something this morning? We're not anything great. I mean, we are a great church, but you and I individually, we're not anything. But if we'll just be like John and say, I must, he must increase and I must decrease, then we can be the conduit through which the power of God can flow into our community. That's what we ought to look like. Look like is a conduit supplying our community with the power power of God. Who's with me this morning? We ought to be hooked up, Brother Neil, to heaven and just supplying the power. Hey, supplying the power. You see them lights that are on this building this morning? I got no idea where that comes from. Anybody else? Anybody else got any idea why? Hey, oh my, I don't know if anybody worked for French Broad. I don't know. Hey, you got any idea where it comes from? Uh, it comes from the power poles. It comes on them lines. I don't know. But I mean, where's it start at? You say, well, down at the power station. Where's the power station get the power? I mean, where's it come from? You know what? I don't worry about it. I don't lay in the bed at night and think, well, I reckon the lights come on if I flip a switch in the morning. I don't, I don't think about that. 
Amen. I don't worry about reckon this is, uh, reckon this is uh, uh, Ferguson Hill Pair. Are you reckon this comes from across from Glen Raven? Uh, maybe it comes from down in Michaelville. Uh, maybe it comes from another state. I don't know. Uh, all I'm worried about is when the switch comes on, the lights come on. Amen. You know why? Uh, because all we've got is some lines uh, uh, stacked up, but them lines, they don't have any power in themselves. Uh, they can't power anything uh, somewhere. They've got to be hooked to a source. Uh, oh, that's what the church needs uh, is to get hooked up to the source uh, and have power for our community. That's what the church has to have. So uh, it's a result of a great, great partnership. Oh man, I got to hurry. It's received by great great prayer. Look what the Bible said there in verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Can I say that in these days great threats were made and they were sensitive to great needs. They made great prayer to a great God and he showed great power on their behalf. Peter and John were commanded by those rulers to never speak in Jesus' name again. But they made prayer to God, and he answered their prayer in a demonstration of power there in Acts 4. And when Peter was in prison in Acts 12, they were down at Rhoda's house praying, and God sent an angel and delivered Peter. I'm just telling you, the early church had great power because it had great prayers. Boy, I tell you, our prayer life, our prayer life. Boy, if there's one, hey, John R. Rice said one time that every failure in a Christian's life is a prayer failure. I want you to hear that again. Every failure in a Christian's life is a prayer failure. And so they had great power because they had great power. But then let me say this. They had great power which was responsible for great preaching. Verse 33, it says they gave witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You know what You know what? great power in the church will always do? It'll turn into great preaching. Amen. Hey, you can go home and say, boy, somebody say, how was the service? You can say it was great. Hey, 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 how's the preaching? It was great. Whether or not it's any good, or not, you can say that because uh, I'm preaching on great things this morning. Uh, I'm telling you, every time the pre- every time the presence of God gets around, uh, uh, the liberty of the Holy Spirit is in the place, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, any God called preacher can get filled uh, with the Holy Spirit of God uh, and bring about great preaching. Amen. Now, I'm telling you something. I'm as I, I am as you can ask anybody that's close to me. I'm as jumbled up in my brain. God has given me so many things to think about and not much of a brain to think about it with. And so it stayed like a, like a ping pong in a big old empty bowl just bouncing around in there all the time. I can't have to think of my own name sometime. Rode by yesterday, we was riding through Rutherford. Rode by and there's a Santa Claus, or I called Santa Claus again. Hey, it was a snowman standing there waving. I said, look yonder, Santa Claus. And I could hear the kids laughing in the back. They thought I was being funny, but I wasn't. In my mind, that snowman was Santa Claus. I can't get anything straight. I get all tongue-tied, call people by the wrong name, can't remember people's names. And like I've told you before, once the Alzheimer's finally gets me, just roll me in here in the wheelchair and that let me run my 
hand up every now and again and say hallelujah. I, but anyway, I'm so con- I, I get so uh, confused, everything in my mind going on. I, I, but hey, I, I can get down here and get to preach and get plugged into heaven. I, and all of a sudden, all that becomes real clear. I, sometimes it's the only real clear thing, and I get all weak. I, everything just clears right up. I, hey, I'm just here to tell you, that ain't me, honey. I, hey, that ain't because I'm great or smart or anything like that. I, it's because I got a great big God. Hey, when we get plugged in this right and the force of God gets strong and the power of God goes to moving, there's always great preaching. Hallelujah for Hallelujah. So church is great because of the great force that it contains. Now this force, it confuses. I'm not, I'm not going to get done, but that's okay. I knew, I knew when I started on this, I thought, I thought, this is too big an outline. I ain't never going to teach this priest. This force is great. It's so great it confuses the world. The, hey, people don't understand why the church is so powerful. People don't understand it. But let me say this to you. We've got the power of the blood against Satan. Revelation chapter number 12, verse number 11, the Bible said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. I said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. We got the power of the blood against Satan. We got the power of a truth against a lie. You know, this whole world's full of lies. Uh, you and I have the truth about God. Uh, we got the truth about where men are headed. Uh, we got the truth. We got the power of the truth uh, against the lie. We got the power of knowledge against ignorance. I wish I had time to preach on all this. Uh, we got the power of love against hate. You know what the church has? Real love. Real love. And I know that crowd says, oh, the church is hateful. No, we're not. No, we're not. We got real love, honey. Yeah, man, we got love that passes all of us. So there's love. Then we've got the power of obedience against disobedience, holiness against compromise. We've got the power of life against death. I'm just simply here to tell you, the church is powerful. If we'll allow it to be, it's powerful. And it's great because of the force it contains. Then we'll mention this secondly. It's great because of the favor it carries. Look what the Bible said there in verse 33. Look what it says. Great power gave the apostles witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now, what does that mean? Grace is God's undeserved favor. It supplies man's poverty with plenty. (laughs) Grace does two things for us. It's the gift of God which makes us able to be what we never were before, and it makes us able to do what we never could have done before. That's grace. The church has great grace. Let me ask a question. Have any of you, has any of you had great grace in your life? Oh, yes. Let me give you just a few of the graces. I got to hurry. That, hey, there's saving grace. Saving grace is what turns a sinner into a saint. Remember when I told you that moment I got up and put my faith in Christ, got baptized into the body of Christ through the Spirit of God, sealed under the day of redemption. And at that moment, I got transformed from a sinner to a saint. You know how that happened. It happened because of grace. It happened because of God's grace. Hey, I'm no longer what I used to be. I'm no longer on my way to hell. Now I'm on my way to heaven. I'm in a part of the church. You know why that is grace? Grace, saving grace. Then we see in these verses, there's testifying grace. Oh, it was the grace of God that caused these 
uh, disciples to testify and to brag on God. Uh, it was grace which produced a testimony in their lives and in their hearts. Uh, I thought about what they said there in Acts 4, 19. Uh, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, uh, judge ye, but we cannot uh, but speak the things which we have heard and seen. Uh, in other words, they said God's been too good to us uh, not to brag on Him. He gave them grace. Uh, and they had to testify that grace. There's living grace. <laughs> These folks lived together and had all things common with a smile on their face. There's giving grace. They gave everything they had. They were so overwhelmed with the grace of God that they got real generous with their, uh, with their provisions. And then you can see all through the book of Acts that there's dying grace. <laughs> And Stephen, he's getting stoned to death. He looks steadfastly into heaven. Why? Because God had given him grace. I say hallelujah. Thank God for grace. It's great. The church is great because of the force that it has. But then the, the church is great because of the favor that it carries. Can I give you one more? Two more real quick. The, great, the church is great. Number three. Because of the fear that it causes. Look what the Bible said in Acts chapter number 5 and verse 5. The very next chapter of watch this. The Bible said, And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. Now this is the very early part of the church. They're all selling everything they've got and bringing it and giving it. All of it to the church. Because they got given grace. Ananias and Sapphire, they've sold a piece of land and they show up and they lie about how much they sold it for because they won't give it all. Now, they didn't have to do that. They could just said, we ain't giving ours. That'd been all right. They didn't have to give it. No, nothing said they had to give it. But what they did was they showed up and they lied about it. Now, God knew in this early church it was going to be a blemish on the early church and so he had to root that out. So he killed Ananias Sapphire graveyard dead right there in the altar. The Bible said great fear came on them all. You know what it was? It was that God had judged them according to the way they lived and it scared them to death. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what's happened in our churches. We've watered everything down. They say, well, if you're too strict, Gary, you scare everybody off. Let me, let me tell you something. The church ought to hold a line of holiness that scares everybody. There ought to be some fear. That's exactly what happened in the early church. They saw God was going to judge them according to the way they lived their lives, and it scared them. Can I say to you, that's the same God we serve today. Amen. Now, we've, we, like I said, we've soft-pedaled all that. We've told people, I just live however you want to. It's all right. We're all under grace, thank God, and I'm glad we are. There's nothing that I can do to lose my salvation. Now, I'll say something to you. This statement was made to me this week. This boy said, there's nothing... It's, the guy said to me, he said, there's nothing I can do to lose my salvation. But he said, the way I live may cause other people to lose theirs. What do you mean? That they never would get saved to begin with because they see how you live and they think it's all a lie. Huh? He said, he said the way I live my life, no, nothing I can do that make me not go to heaven 
but the way I live my life may keep other people out of heaven. You see, that ought to strike us with fear. We've been put here as ambassadors for Christ. We ought to want to elevate our way of life and live a life that's pleasing. We ought to want to walk and talk and dress and act the way that we should. I'm telling you, great fear came upon them. We ought to be afraid not to live for God. Great fear that it caused. There's the great feelings that it creates. Look at Acts 8, 8, real quick. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to sweep some stuff together right here. Look, what, look, look, look what the Bible said. And there was what great joy in that city. You know why that, you know why there was great joy? Look what verse 5 and 6 says. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. The people with one accord gave heed and those things which Philip spake. You know what brought them joy in that city was the preaching of Christ. Boy, the church, the church brightens up a community, don't it? I mean, it does. The church, it's a, it ought to be the highlight of the community. I had a fellow this week, and he's not a church guy. He don't go to church. And he asked me about another church in Pensacola. He said, what's the deal with that church? I, said, I don't know. I, don't, I ain't the pastor of that church. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. What are you talking about? He said, well, ain't nobody goes there anymore. And I said, yeah, that's sad. He said, they all going to your church. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't think any of them come to my church, and I don't think they any of them did. And he said, well, you got the biggest church in the county, blah, 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 on and on and on. He said, what are you doing down there? He said, you're doing something right. He said, what do you got figured out? And these other preachers don't have it figured out. I said, I ain't got nothing figured out. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, it's the temptation of the devil. He said, he said, he said, what are you doing? You're doing something good down there. He said, you got it figured out. I said, oh, it's, it's the Lord. Thank the Lord for it. He said, they ought to be thankful for you. So they ought to be thankful for you're doing something. I said, no, mister, I ain't. I had to get away from him because I knew that's going to get in my head because I know how I am, Dimsdale. I'll go take, I'll go take credit. If I ain't careful, I'll go take credit things. I ain't got no business taking credit for them. Particularly somebody go to pat, bragging on me, patting me on the back, rubbing my ego. I know how I am. I walk out of there going, oh boy, I am. I'm doing something. I got something figured out. Ain't nobody else ever figured out what I got figured out. Oh boy. Hey, but I'm going to tell you right now. Hey, it's not about me. It's about him. As long as we keep it about him. And hey, listen. Hey, this church will be a light to this community. And people will be glad because the church is here. I missed on the radio this morning. This last week, this cross fence. This boy took his life. I mean, right here, just if you looked out his window, he'd look right at our church. Took his life. I didn't know that boy. This young boy, I don't, I don't know him. Madison County is my understanding originally. I didn't know him. I don't know his soul's condition. I don't know if he'd ever been in church. I don't know. I don't know. But I thought, I said, think about that. Right here in the door of church. The light of the community. The light of the community. You talk about God. You say, well, it ain't, it ain't bad for that boy. But you, I want you to think about the grace of God that was at work in that boy's life. Moved him in right next to a church. You know how this place lights up at night. No doubt every night he'd get up, go to the bathroom. The lights of the church shining right in his front window. Light of that big old cross shining right in the back window. You talk about God giving a boy opportunity after opportunity. Boy, the church ought to be the light of the community. I'll be the lie of the community. 
Mm. It's great because of the feelings it inspires. Then I'm going to leave you this right here and I'm going to be done giving all the call. It's great because of the figures it compiles. Acts 2 and 41, the Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. You know what the church is? The church is the people that make it up. This building could burn down. If some of y'all don't remember, start cutting that pot, coffee pot off in that back room. It's going to. I'm telling you. Yeah. Unplug that thing, Neil. We're going to cut the wires. This building could burn down. Bank account could go dry. Church would still be here. Because it's the people that make it up. I came all this way to ask you one question. I ask you a question. I want you to really think about it. I'm, I'm not preaching the lost this morning. I'm preaching to you at Concord Baptist Church. I'll ask you a question. If the whole church was just like you, what kind of church would it be? If every member of this church was just like you, if they prayed like you pray, if they read their Bible like you read your Bible, if they studied like you study. If they lived like you lived, if everybody, if everybody here was just like you, ask this question, would this be a better church or a worse one? You see, a chain is only good as its weakest link. Now, I think we could all agree in here this morning that we're a part of a great church. Well, it ought to inspire us to want to be a great portion of that church. It ought to inspire us to want to reach higher and be better than we ever have before. Some of you, if you're going to be honest with me, you'd have to say, Preacher, if everybody in this church was like me, boy, we'd be in a mess. We'd be in a mess. Hey, our church would be just a flop if it was all. If everybody was just like me, our church would be a flop. Boy, you ought to get in this altar and say, Lord, oh, Lord, it's me. I need your help. Let's stand our feet. Father, Lord, thankful for this opportunity to pray. God, I pray today in Jesus' name that you do a work, Lord, in our midst. We're thankful for being part of a great church. But, Lord, we need some great members. Father, I pray, God, that you'd move on hearts today and do a work as only you can. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. They're going to come sound the instruments. I wonder this morning as you've been asked that question, if the whole church is just like you, what kind of church would it be? You say, preacher, I can do better. I can be closer to the Lord. I can pray more. I can study more. I can live for God more. I can serve God more. I can be a better church member. I can be more faithful. I can live for the Lord more. It's a great church. It's a great church, but I can do better. It could be greater. It could be greater. It could be greater. Now let me ask you.